Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. We're here to share, share with you how to help you love God more, save souls, and slay air. I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, end of story. What you just said is you just gave our mission statement, brother. Yeah. Yep. Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Got an important show today. We're going to be talking about St. Nicholas. Yeah, the wonder worker. This is interesting, and I think it's important to share with our children, our grandchildren, about St. Nicholas and who he was. Yes. Also, uh, we're going to continue to talk about why Father Pavone is defrocked, not Father Martin or Father Rubnik, and ask some questions that I think need to be uh, asked. And also, uh, we have a good friend of the show Father Lundecker, he has a comment on some thoughts about Father Frank Pavone that I think are very worthy to, to touch base on. Also, at the end of the show, 12 ways to traditionally prepare to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Well, tomorrow's Christmas Eve, so I think that's appropriate. But Jess, you got some good news stories or anything going on right now, brother? Yeah, Terry, I got a couple of news items. Uh, yeah. Let me, uh, let, for need your to need to, need most to of them are for your need to know file. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the South Dakota Republican governor, Christy Noem, this is good news. Yeah. She, uh, she fires a trans group. She directed <laughs> her State Department of Health to terminate a contract yeah. with the Transformation Project, a transgender activist group that's hosting a gender identity summit next month after the Daily Signal drew the governor's attention to the summit and to the group. She said, South Dakota does not support this organization's efforts. Wow. And state government should not be participating in them, said Governor Christy Noem. God bless her. Common sense. Yeah. Also, Texas Republican uh, Carl Tepper has introduced a bill that targets the often one-sided leftist political viewpoints present in higher education institutions. Oh, that's important to do that. Yeah. He's so this bill's demanding that campus DEI, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion offices be banned from Texas. Oh, God, love them. Yep. So this Texas bill is uh, is railing against the woke higher education. The bill states clearly that quote each institution of higher education has the general responsibility to foster a diversity of viewpoints and to maintain political, social, and cultural neutrality. Also. Democrat Mayor Oscar Leeser of El Paso, Texas, declared a state of emergency on Saturday over a surge in unlawful migrant crossings ahead of the upcoming Title 42. He says, our asylum seekers are not safe, said Mayor Leeser, who's a Democrat. Uh He said, we have hundreds and hundreds of people on the street, and that's not the way we treat our people, close quote. And finally, a Democrat from Texas, Representative Henry Cuellar, again, he's a Democrat on Sunday, he's blasting Biden over the border. He said that Biden's administration's plan to address the migrant crisis will not fix the problem. Henry Cuellar said, quote, the Biden administration has been talking about his plan for the last two years, close quote. Cuellar said of the administration's claim of having a plan behind the controversial repeal of Title 42, he said, quote, They've been blaming the Republicans. They've been blaming Congress. He says, uh, but when will it take effect? Close quote. Terry, so um, things are imploding around the Biden administration and his own party. I think they're realizing the emperor has no clothes on, Jesse. 
this yeah. the common sense is starting to get more common because I think sure. even people of of no faith are realizing something is wrong, Jesse. Terry, another good news item is St. Joseph, I mean, St. Nicholas of Myra. Let me just mention something about him for people because he's Santa Claus. That's right. Okay. Uh, I, some of you may think that Santa Claus is in the Virgin Most Powerful Studios. Yeah, he is. He, St. <laughs> Nicholas is in the Virgin Most Powerful Radio Studio right now, in fact. But St. Nicholas of, of Myra, yep. he was a bishop and he was a wonder worker. There are few saints better known than St. Nicholas of Myra. Though it was a lot of it's been drawn from traditional legends and 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 uh, because again it's been so long ago, his feast day was December six. Was he canonized by a pope? Nope. He was canonized by popular acclamation. That's the way people were canonized in the early church. Po- the voice of the people, vox populi. But what seems most certain about uh, about Saint Nicholas is that sometime after becoming the bishop of Myra, which is modern day Turkey. He was in prison during the Christian persecution under the Roman emperor Diocletian. But when Constantine the Great became emperor and issued the Edict of Milan in 313 AD, extending official tolerance to Christianity, St. Nicholas was released from prison. Tradition places him at the Council of Nicaea. Though the oldest list of bishops in attendance do not include his name, it is said that during one of the most heated moments of the council, he walked across the room to the heretic Arius, who denied the divinity of Christ and smacked him in the face. The direct approach. Certainly, by all accounts, St. Nicholas combined a firm orthodoxy <laughs> with a gentleness towards those in his flock, and Arius' false teaching threatened the souls of Christians. St. Nicholas died on December 6th. The two most common dates of his death are 345 and 352 A.D. St. Nicholas is called the wonder worker because of the number of miracles attributed to him, particularly after his death. Uh, And that's why he's called the wonder worker. Though his family had been rich, St. Nicholas decided to distribute all of his possessions of the poor and to dedicate himself to serving Christ. It is said that he would toss little pouches of coins through the windows of the poor and that sometimes the pouches would land in stockings that had been washed and were hung on the windowsill to dry. Once finding all the windows in a house shut, St. Nicholas would toss the pouch up to the roof where it went down the chimney. You get it? St. <laughs> Nicholas is said to have made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land as a young man traveling by sea. When a storm arose, the sailors... Uh, thought that they were doomed, but through St. Nicholas' prayers, the waters were calmed. So he returned to Myra, Turkey. St. Nicholas found that the news of the miracle had already reached the city, and the bishops of Asia Minor chose him to replace the recently deceased Bishop of Myra. As a bishop, St. Nicholas remembered his own past as an orphan, and he held a special place in his heart for orphans and all young children. He continued to give small gifts and money, especially to the poor, and he provided dowries to three young women who could not afford to marry, who were in danger, therefore, of entering into a life of prostitution being sold by their father. By the late Middle Ages, Catholics in Germany and Switzerland and the Netherlands had begun to celebrate his feast day by giving small gifts to young children. On December 5th, the children would leave their shoes by the fireplace, and the next morning they would find small toys and coins in them. In recent years in the U.S., these customs, especially the placing of shoes by the fireplace, have been have have, have revived. Such practices are, ver, are, ver, are a very good way of reminding our children 
of the life of this beloved Catholic saint and encouraging them to imitate his charity as Christmas approaches. St. Nicholas, pray for us. Amen. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Full Sheenhead. Just so you know, every gospel this week is all about the nativity. So there you have it, Mm -hmm. just different versions. So I wanted just to give a little quick commentary by Bishop Sheen, a full sheen ahead on Christmas. He says, Christmas is not something that happened such as the Battle of Waterloo. It is something that is happening. The simple Mm -hmm. shepherds heard the voice of an angel and found their lamb. The wise men saw the light of the star and found their wisdom. Christmas, if it means anything, means the exaltation of and the glorification of the spirit of the child, which is just another word for humility. Mm. Full sheen ahead, Jess. I love Bishop yes. Sheen. Good meditation. Hey, we got time for the gospel. Let's it's do it. Short. The gospel is another Luke one Luke 157. Uh, yep. Let's do it. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. By the way, that's John the Baptist we're talking about. And the tradition of the Catholic Church is very ancient that at the... that. He was sanctified. He was made holy in his mother's womb. It says her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy towards her. There's that word mercy. This is why we have this devotion to divine mercy. It's all over the New Testament. And they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him. They were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said and replied, no. He will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your your relatives who has this name. So they made signs asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, quote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Again, also St. Joseph names Jesus. So you, you see in the Old Testament amongst the Jewish people that naming the child is a patriarchal function. The Bible says, immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke blessing, and he spoke blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors and all, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of God was with him, was upon him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Real quick, the only thing that I can say about this uh, today is John the Baptist was the last prophet, the last of the greatest prophets. And he's like the lamp. That's what he is. He's a lamp. But Jesus is the actual light of the world. So John the lamp points to Jesus, the light of the world. And guess what? We live in a dark world, Terry. Absolutely. Every one of us yearns for this light. Yeah, you got that right. When we come back, we're going to talk about an article by Phil Lawler about why Father Favone is to proc and not Father Martin or Father Rubnik. And much more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We're back, Jess. Wow, hit it, brother. Why is Father Pavone, why has he been defrocked and not Father Martin and not Father Rupnik? 
Well, Philip Lawler writes, yesterday I did my best to explain that the laicization of Frank Pavone is neither unjust nor surprising, although the Vatican's handling of the case leaves much to be desired. But many faithful Catholics continue to ask a very sensible question. Why is Pavone severely disciplined when priests like Father James Martin and Father Marco Rupnik continue in good standing? Well, guess what? That's a darn good question Reasonable that Philip question. Lawler asked. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Philip Lawler says, I can answer that question too. Don't blame me if you don't like the answer. I don't, I don't like it either. Pavone was laicized, we are told, because of his blasphemous communications and his persistent disobedience to his ecclesiastical superiors. The charge of blasphemous communications has not been explained. And it is a charge that could be leveled against other clerics who denigrate the church, her teachings, and her sacraments. Would blasphemous communications alone be enough to warrant laicizations? It seems unlikely. So let's all acknowledge that we don't know exactly what the apostolic nuncio meant by that charge. Set it aside and focus on what is relatively clear the charge of disobedience. Pavone did refuse to accept orders from his bishop. That much has been established. The bishop disciplined him. Pavone appealed the matter to Rome. And after years of canonical wrangling, a harsh sentence was imposed. Whereas Pavone has devoted his life to the defense of life, a quest fully in keeping with the teachings of the church, Father Martin has focused his energies on promoting a change in church teachings and policies regarding homosexuality. If you think this mission is fundamentally incompatible with his status as a Catholic priest, I wholeheartedly agree. Has his incessant criticism of church teachings approached the level of blasphemy? We could argue that question. Oh, yeah. But on one question, there can be no argument. Father Martin has not disobeyed his has not disobeyed his religious superiors. They're with him. On the contrary, he has their enthusiastic support. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sadly, it's a fact. The charges against Father Rupnik, this nasty priest, this really bad. rapes Catholic nuns, exactly. are even more serious. He has been charged and found guilty of molesting nuns, divergenizing nuns. I read another article. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, there's about 41 nuns in this convent. He's, he's divergenized 20 of them. And he's also abused the confessional. In other words... Back religious uh, things have gone on in the confessional. Yes. And nothing is done to him. I'm sorry, Jess. Go ahead. Keep going. The, these matters are, are easily as grave as blasphemous okay. communications. Yep. Yet he remains in ministry, albeit theoretically restricted. You see, Father Rupnik did not disobey his religious superiors. On the contrary, he has their enthusiastic support. Scandalously, yes. By the way, Fathers Martin and Rupnik are both Jesuits. Just a coincidence. As are the superiors who support them. Yeah. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think And so. Jesse, my thought, thank you, Philip Lawler. We know him well, and I've known him for years, and he did a nice job. I, my analogy is this. As a father, you're a father... We grew up, we had our kids grow up. I mean, let's be honest. We have a spiritual father that we're praying for. All of our priests, bishops, uh, the Holy Father, we need to pray for them to confirm us in our faith and not scandalize us in our faith. 
And that's what I do every day for our leaders because what I see happening here is they have two different approaches. If you're a good priest, and just you and I have seen this for 40 years, yeah, they get reprimanded for being orthodox. And the guys that are progressive, liberal, compromising on moral teachings, whether it's Hamani Vitae, contraception, or the issue of homosexuality, they're, they get uh, uh, um, you know, lifted up. As a matter of fact, Jesse, I won't be surprised if Father Martin becomes a bishop. God forbid it. Oh, wow. But it wouldn't surprise me because they agree with this. And this is scandalous. And so a father should not treat each kid differently when it comes to discipline. And that's what I see happening here. To me, what I see is the St. Gallen Mafia yeah. and the Deep Church, as yeah. Archbishop Vigano calls them, the St. Gallen Mafia Deep Church, which is top-heavy with Jesuits yep. who are modernists. They're the ones persecuting good Orthodox priests like Father Pavone fact. and all the canceled clergy. The St. Gallen Mafia, they're a bunch of Masons, Marxists, modernists, and homosexuals. They're the ones who are supporting modernist dissenting homosexual clergy like Father Martin and Rupnik. Why? It's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. They want to destroy the church as we know it and make it a new church. Kind of like uh, Joe Biden's uh, presidential uh, slogan, build back better. Remember that, Terry? Yeah, of course. Build back better. This is what the modernists want to do in the Catholic church. Destroy it. And build it back better. Yep. Who said this? Archbishop Vigano. Yep. In fact, Vigano, he has actually said that this is a Masonic plan. The Great Reset is a Masonic plan to set up the kingdom of the Antichrist and his communistic Masonic one world government. There's a a Masonic uh, phrase that's used in in a lot of their literature. It's called solve et coagula. Solve et coagula. What does that mean? It means to dissolve and coagulate. In other words, in plain English, it means to break something down and and make it into something new. Well, this is exactly what the Freemasonic clergy is trying to do to the church right now. They want to destroy the church as it's existed for 1,965 years. And after 1,965 years, post-1965, They've been working hard to make a new church. And so what do they have to do? They have to go after good priests. Yes. And, and uh, uh, St. John Vianney, the patron saint of parish priests, I'll let him weigh in. Weigh mm-hmm. in. He actually said the following quote, When people wish to destroy religion, they begin by attacking the priest. That's right. Because where there is no longer any priest, there's no sacrifice. And where there's no longer any sacrifice, there is no religion. Close quote. You got it. So this is why they're attacking the good priest, these Marxist, Mason, modernists, because they want to remake the church in their Masonic ideal. Uh, and uh, this is all, Terry. Yeah. This, this, is all, this is exactly what we're dealing with right now. I, I kind of gave, gave a 30,000 bird's yeah, eye no, view of what's it. going on. And, you know, Jesse, Bishop Sheen told us in the mid-70s, okay, early 70s, that, you know, this is the crisis going on in the church. And he didn't ask the bishops or the priests or the nuns to take care of business. You know what he said? You lay people defend the faith. Called the priests to fidelity to Christ and his church teachings. So we're, we're taking our marching orders from Archbishop Sheen. And when we think about this, 
Jesse, defending the Catholic Church teachings, you know, you think you're going to defend it from non-Catholics. But what's happening right now is the church is being attacked from within. And within or without, we have to defend her. And we do it through our prayers and sacrifices, but also by, this is charity, calling our officials, whether they're the Pope, bishops, priests, we should call them to fidelity because that's charity. Because you know what, Jesse? If we don't speak up, then what are we saying? We agree. See, we have to speak up with our voice and with our prayers because Christ is counting on you and me. I think of John Henry Newman's comment that God has given each of us a job to do that he hasn't given to anybody else. So in our little sphere that we're in, we all have a role to play. And the role right now is defending Holy Mother, the church teachings. And if it means calling out bishops, priests, even the Holy Father to be, to be faithful to the perennial teachings of the church, so be it. Fulton Sheen said in 1948, look at oh, how prescient, a, look at how prescient he quote, was. Yeah. This is this quote is about 75 years ago. Yep, it's right in this book. Look look what he said, quote, Satan will set up a counter church. Yep. It will be the ape of the church. Yep. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church but in reverse and emptied of its divine content. Yeah, wow. just like they're trying to do right he now nailed with the it. He nailed Pontifical it. Life Institute. Yeah. He said the false prophet will have a religion without a cross. Right. A religion without a world to come. A religion to destroy religion, religions. There will be a counterfeit church. Yep. Christ's church will be one and the false prophet will create the other. The false church will be worldly, ecumenical, and global. Wow, sounds like uh, present day Rome. Yep. It will be a loose federation of churches and religions forming some type of global association. Yep. A world parliament of churches. Yeah, kind of like uh, what's happening in Dubai. Yep. You got in this big piece of property, a Catholic church, a Muslim mosque, and a Jewish synagogue in the same piece of property. Yep. It will be emptied of all of its divine content. It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist. The mystical body on earth today will, will have its Judas Iscariot. He and he will be a false prophet. If you want to get that co that comment, it's in Bishop Athanasius Snyder's book, The Springtime That Never Came. I have about 50 copies in stock. If people want to get that book, just call 877-526-2151. It's not too late for a Christmas gift, all right? Go ahead and go to vmpr.org. Pick up any of the books by Bishop Snyder. They should inspire you greatly. Tell wow. you, uh, paragraph 677 of the Catechism oh, this, really, really yeah, sums up what's going yeah, on right now. That's right. It says the deception of the Antichrist will lead to the final crisis of the church. That's it. Which will be persecuted almost to the point of extinction. Yeah, that's what. And thus will follow her Lord in his death and resurrection only to be saved by the second coming of Christ. That's 677 yeah. of the catechism. In other words, Terry, yeah. these Marxists, Masons, and modernists who work for the Antichrist, they're trying to lead the church, this persecution of the church, starting with our priests and our good priests and bishops. Yes. They want to persecute them to the point of extinction. And they're doing a good job because you know what's happening? Mm. They're emptying the pews. Oh, yeah. Uh, like we've never seen before. We've, have, we've had more Catholics leave the Catholic Church under Pope Francis than under any other pope in the history of the church. Yeah. And, and yeah. Jesse, let me just run one more thing into this. Really... Is, is, is so um, amazing that 
the church right now, uh, Benedict XVI, when he was Cardinal, when he was Father Joseph Ratzinger in 1969, he saw this in a radio interview. He said the church is going to become a remnant, meaning very small. But here's my point to you, our listener. Are you going to continue to seek a holiness in your life? Say your prayers, make reparation, atonement, live your daily duties in your state and life, irregardless of what the Pope, bishops, priests do. That's what I'm called. That's what I think our Lord's calling us to do. Is not don't. Who do we? You see this crucifix in my hand? That's who we worship, everybody. That's right. That's right. Just remember that and stay faithful because these scandals can undermine people of weak faith. All right, Jess. More when we come back on the Terry and Jesse show. I can say it, Jess. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, both Jess and I would be billionaires because our Mm -hmm. faith is in Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you to recommit yourself to Jesus. Stay with us, family. Hit it, Jesse Romero. We're all here. Yep, we're continuing. More thoughts on Father Pavone. (laughs) These are Ca- Catholics are understandably bewildered. This is written by Father John Dwight, Convert. Father Dwight Nicker, convert from the Anglican Church. Yep. Catholics are understandably bewildered, angry, and ashamed of the Vatican's treatment of Father Frank Pavone. For many, I'm one of them. Uh, uh, F- Father Pavone is a pro-life Catholic hero. They don't know about his arguments. About, they don't know about his arguments with his bishop, and they don't follow him in his social media closely. All they can see is that the Vatican has canceled a faithful, outspoken Catholic priest with no recourse to appeal, while the Pope cuddles up to Father Rupnik, a fellow Jesuit who is an alleged serial rapist of nuns. Let me go down to the next re- relevant article. Yeah. The long and short of it is that readers who limit their news consumption to headlines, scare quotes, and tweets yep. are likely to draw the conclusion Here comes, sadly. that, quote, the Catholic Church condones priests raping nuns and throws good pro-life warrior priests under the bus, close quote. But While this condones, conclusion uh, is under... Did you say condones? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I yeah, want to make sure condone. you get the right word. Yep. yep. While this conclusion yep. is understandable, yeah. especially among those Catholics who are increasingly fed up with high-level cover-ups yep. and regard Pope Francis as an incompetent, second-rate, clerical puppet, there's more to the story. This conclusion is based on several wrong assumptions. So if Father makes three, yep. uh, three conclusions here. He says, firstly... That the Vatican is this well-organized, integrated, efficient body that produces a unified, thoughtful, and consistent <laughs> product. No. It assumes that the Vatican is shorthand for Pope Francis and that every decision, every tweet, every announcement is written by the pontiff himself. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a bit here, but there's a general assumption that the Vatican speaks with a unified, consistent voice in all matters and that somehow that the Father Rupnik case and, Father, and the Father Pavone case are linked. I saw one comment suggesting that the Pavone case was publicized to draw attention away from the from Father Rutner's case. <laughs> I think that would be to credit. I, I think that would be to to credit the Vatican bureaucracy and PR department with a level of forethought, coordination, and competency beyond their usual skill level. Well said. As the pillar guys explain, there are various dicasteries, groups, and subgroups within the bureaucratic structure of the global Catholic Church, and when you add all the religious orders and their various rules, hierarchies, and governing bodies, then all the world's dioceses, 
and archdioceses, all of which, all of with their own particular issues and circumstances, it is very complicated, and one can and one cannot assume that they are all working in concert, talking to each other and organizing their public relations to harmonize with each other's proceedings. Wow, you there, know, Jesse, next? yeah, this is a great article. Common sense, he's saying. Second is the assumption that the Vatican is ejecting Father Pavone because of his pro-life work. My Protestant friends think that. When you see Pope Francis hobnobbing with the Bidens and the Pelosi's, then read about Father Pavone's laicization. It's depressing, but again, to conclude that these two are linked and that the Vatican is sending pro-abortion messages while pretending to be pro-life is understandable. But, you know, I, I would say it's a shaky conclusion, but you know what? I, I disagree with Father Longnecker there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think there's a nexus. Uh, Most he's, people connect with that. Go ahead. Absolutely. I think Father Longnecker was wrong <clears throat> on, on assumption number two. Yeah. There is a connection. Of course. He is good. What... He's good. Pope Francis is good friends with the most powerful politician in the world. It's a fact. Joe Brandon. I mean, Joe Biden. Yeah. President Biden. Yeah. And the most powerful woman in the world, Nancy Pelosi, both apostate Catholics, they both have his ear, both have his cell phone, they both can walk right into his office, receive communion from him, and Father Longnecker is going to think that that they, they have nothing to do with this outspoken Catholic priest? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Elections are a year and a half away from now. Do you think Biden and, and Pelosi want P- Father Pavone out there uh, doing his pro-life work? He's been a pebble in their shoe for 30 years, Terry. And since we got off, that t- off the article, Jesse, I want to also mention that he's going to be the first one. There's people talking about all these other guys, whether it's Bishop yeah. Joseph Strickland or... Archbishop Cordelione, anybody who speaks out, could be a lay, a simple priest at a parish, uh, all these guys are next. And if that happens, Jesse, then we, we were right. But I, it won't surprise me. And can you imagine the priests right now who are a pro-life priest? They're saying, am I next? Am I next? It's, it's now, a I get, strong message. Yeah, I get why Father Longnecker's writing, you know, he's kind of like trying to t- take the middle of the road. I'll tell you why. He's a priest. He doesn't want to get canceled. Yeah, see, you and I don't have faculty. See, so we, don't, we don't have to worry about this. Father no. Longnecker does. That's why he, he's taking a middle road right here. Here's yeah. what he says. Yeah. The third assumption yeah. is that the Vatican has it in for conservative Catholics. Yes, they do, Father. Yeah, they it's do. It's a fact. Yeah. Now, he says, but he doesn't agree with it. Watch. He doesn't agree. Uh, Father Longnecker, he says, especially American conservative Catholics. <laughs> he says, he writes, I have no doubt that there are some high-level Catholics, both in the USA and around the world, who can't stand Americans and especially dislike conservative American Catholics. He writes, I'm a conservative American Catholic, and I've been called names, gaslighted, marginalized, and ignored. It goes with the territory. (laughs) But I'm not so self-absorbed to imagine that anyone at a high level in the church uh, cares that much about me or feels threatened by me? Nah. Can well, I just, I'll tell you. I'll I, tell you why he's. Re- yeah, I can tell you. Because he doesn't have the he doesn't have the footprint that Father Pavone has by far. Oh yeah, not at all. And I can also say, knowing uh, bishops that I know who have like 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 well, there's I, I'll just no, I won't name all the bishops. I'll just say that they've made it clear, like Archbishop Chapu, they were glad the Holy Father was glad when he retired right on the day. And he's actually named Arch, Archbishop Cordelione saying, you know, I don't like the guy out in San Francisco. He said, I don't like that conservative. Yeah, conservative. He said so conservative. These are, yeah. these are facts. This is not hearsay, Jess. I don't like hearsay. I like to yeah. have the facts. And the facts are, yeah. it's more likely that, you know, this article says, more likely that Father Pavone's case 
simply worked out its way from the bishop who initiated it through the system, and a, deci- a decision was made to go through with it. Now, that was a 21-year-long uh, event. Eventually, <clears throat> I hope it will, we will learn precisely what Father Frank did and cause a drastic response. You know, transparency we don't have, Jesse, here. Let's just be honest about this. Then it is the right question, not only the decision, but how was it made? Give us the facts. Did the officials in Rome realize that Father Pavone was a figure of national importance? Yeah, you think he worked in the Vatican years ago. The amount of money flowing into his organization should have caught their attention. Did they realize how their decision would be received? Probably not. Well, okay, they don't. I don't think they care, but that's my opinion. Uh, did they put in place a proper and transparent process of communications with all parties? And then with general public, no. Implementation of the decision seems pretty uh, ham-fisted. Well, here's my point, Jesse. That's what we're calling for. We talk a good story about having transparency, but there's no transparency here. Keep going. No. The simple fact of the matter is the Catholic Church is a big global organization. Within our ranks, we have saints and sinners. Yep. People of a conservative mindset and personality type and people of a liberal or progressive mindset and personality type. Some people, yeah, those those are people that have a malformed conscience. Yep. Some people believe themselves righteous and faithful when they are obedient and submissive. Others think they are righteous and faithful when they are being subversive and dissenting. Hmm. That's not that's not just life in the Catholic Church. Nope. That's life. That's life in the real world. Yep. Are there saints and sinners in the Catholic Church? Yep. Bad sinners. Yep. Heretics and sex creeps and pedophiles and those who cover for them. Yep. So it has always been. Have you read the Old Testament recently or church history? Does this mean I'm simply shrugging and saying, so what? Not really. These things concern and trouble me. But while I love the Catholic Church and I love the Catholic faith even more, and the Catholic faith that subsists in the Catholic Church is something bigger, stronger, older, and holier than the peccadillos and quarrels and human and human failures of the church in any age. Mm. We are all struggling with sin, repentance, acceptance, and forgiveness. We all mess up and we don't like to be called to heal. We don't like our faults displayed publicly. We don't like discipline. My job is to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to love him and his blessed mother. Amen. That's my first job. All of our jobs. The next is to help my family and my parish to draw closer to the Lord, to serve and evangelize the wider community, and by God's grace, to persevere in the faith, both in my words and actions. That seems a pretty impossible task, but while events in the wider world and wider church may distress me, Father Longnecker says, my eyes are on what is local because what is local is real and what is real is a right here, right now, little fragment of eternity. He's talking about being a pastor at a parish. Oh, yeah. And you know, Jesse, I just have to be honest. Most Catholics uh, will never even hear of any of this. I'm going to say yeah. they just keep going to church. They keep doing their thing. And... Um, uh, the pr- the challenge is people uh, don't know. Th- th- in other words, actions speak louder than words. These actions that are going on are speaking much louder than the teachings of the church right now. And I think that's yeah. a sad thing. Absolutely. F- Fulton Sheen, back in 1972, I'm going to ri- remind you what he said. Yep. Talk about words of encouragement. Yep. He says, quote, who's going to save our church, not our bishops, not our priests and religious. It's up to the people. You have the minds, the eyes, the ears to save the church. Yep. Your mission is to see that your priests act like priests, your bishops like bishops, and your religious act like religious, close quote, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Now, uh, again, 
Remember, the church is like Noah's Ark, okay? Yep. It's not comfortable inside. Nope. It's crowded. It smells. But I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> it sure beats being outside in the sea of chaos and confusion in these shark-infested waters we call the culture of death. Exactly. And the metaphor that I just gave you, this was used by St. Cyprian back in the 3rd century in his, in his work called On the Unity of the Church, close quote. Uh, to, me, to me, the Catholic Church, I'll be more contemporary than St. Cyprian. The Catholic Church is like a large battleship on its way to heaven. Yeah. And guess what? I'll just say it again. Outside the Catholic Church, you want to swim to heaven on your own? Knock yourself out. The waters are shark infested. Good luck making it to heaven. Well said. I want to remind everybody on the 14th of January, just a couple weeks from now, we're going to have an evangelization conference in spite of scandal. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. We got to get focused on introducing people to the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do with Johnny Romero. Jesse's brother will be there. I'll be there. If you want to register, call 877-526-2151 or go online to vmpr.org. That's virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Look under events. We come back 12 ways to traditionally prepare to celebrate the birthday of Jesus and much more. This is very important for the family. You won't want to miss this family. You're listening to The Carrie and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 12 ways I love it. to traditionally prepare to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Awesome. 12 is a good number. <laughs> Our Catholic Church has given us the time of Advent to, pr- to properly prepare for Jesus' birthday. The birth of our Savior began with his conception in his mother Mary's womb. So it would do us well if we were to, if we were to prepare for Jesus' coming, just like the Blessed Mother Mary. So here's 12 suggestions that we might practice during Advent to prepare for the coming of Jesus' birthday. Number one. Imitate Mary's preparation. It was with great joy that Mary looked forward to the redemption of God's people, Israel. Before Mary conceived Jesus in her womb, she conceived him in her heart. So we notice that preparing for Jesus' birth has to do with the interior soul. The exterior preparation followed the interior. Mary gave Jesus her soul and heart first, and then her body. She made a warm, loving home for him in her, in her heart and her body. Then she prepared as best as she could the animal's pen and the manger for him. Wow. It, Terry, it's been said that Mary was the first tabernacle of course Of course. That's why, I mean, she brought Jesus to the world. She's doing that today, 2,000 years later. Number two, Jess. This was really fundamental. Go to confession. We want our souls to be clean and open to Jesus' coming. This is the never-ending process of growing in holiness. Yeah, we don't just go once. (laughs) One might say, I'm already in the state of grace. Okay, I've been in union with Jesus for many years. But we can always continue to clean the soul, the heart, the small imperfections. It's called the confession of devotion. You do not say that the house was cleaned 10 years ago. Therefore, I do not have to clean it anymore. Dust the contamination and continue to somehow seem to get into our souls by simply being in the world. Let's face it. Look what's out there. 
The best way to make a good confession is to take time to carefully look at all aspects of our soul and confess in sorrow all the imperfections we may be still struggling with. I might add, and that's a good time to do it in front of the Blessed Sacrament. It is mm-hmm. given that we need to, to get to confession the large imperfections and sins too. So let's do that. Number yeah, three. Number, number three, decorate your soul with the virtues of love and humility. I love that. I would imagine that the two most important ornaments one could, one could welcome Jesus with would be the virtues of humility and love. Yeah. Mary's soul was filled with humility and love. Yeah. It, hu- would, yeah. Yeah, it would be good if we would do likewise, yeah. Terry. Humility and truth go together. Number four, contemplative prayer. If we so choose to live Advent to prepare for Jesus' birthday, we should attempt to go deeper into contemplative prayer. So what do we do? We slow down and take time to be silent with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. What a great you know, idea to do, Jess. Number mm. f- the next, number five. Number five, read the Bible. I think we say that every day here. What a, the show what a, what the show. a novel idea. Yeah. Meditate on the narrative passages in the Bible about the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus. Yes. Especially meditate on St. Luke's chapter 1, where Mary replied to St. Gabriel, quote, be it done to me according to your word, close quote. And also where she says, let the word of, or let the word of God sink into your soul, mm. just as Mary did. Number six, put some Catholic Christmas lights up. I love it. Jesus is the light of the world. Mm-hmm. In this dark time of the year, it's always wonderful to see cheerful lights shining on houses. But our light should, if possible, have some Christian meaning, like light up a manger scene, our stars, or try to remind people that Jesus is the reason for the beautiful Christmas decorations. Explain to them the history of the Christmas season, the star of Bethlehem. Jesus is the light of the world. You know, prolong of jo- this is the prolong of John's Gospel, chapter 1. Jesus is the present to the world from his Father. The Magi brought presents to who? Jesus. Number seven, Jess. Do not go shopping till after Christmas. Oh, that's tough. All the corporations make billions of dollars from us Catholics and Christians on on Christmas gifts. Yep. Yet, will not even have the courtesy to acknowledge Jesus. So, we can protest by buying after Christmas when everything is cheaper. Mm -hmm. Pray instead of rushing around and shopping in crowded materialistic stores. Well said. Number eight, give the presents on Epiphany. Remember what Epiphany means, manifestation. January 6th, traditionally. It it also used to be called the Little Christmas, when the three kings gave the gifts to Jesus. This way we are imitating the Magi and not imitating the false Santa Claus line that we have in our culture. We are celebrating Jesus' birthday, not our own. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? Yeah. <laughs> Why should we give others and other selves present on his birthday? You would not like it if you were at your birthday and everyone else got presents except you, whose birthday it was. Do not buy gifts that you have to charge to your credit card. What a great line. God does not want us to get in debt. It does not cost a dime to write a check. Cook some cookies. Right, make, write a letter. Write a letter. Or, I mean, write, sorry, a letter. write a letter or cook some cookies or make a visit. Yep. Number nine. Yep. Tell the children that Santa Claus is really a Catholic bishop, oh, St. Nicholas. Yeah, I've told my Tell them the story of the life of St. Nicholas. Absolutely. All this emphasis on Santa Claus is evil. 
because it has totally eclipsed Jesus, exactly. the Savior who died on the cross for us. Santa never died for us. And again, Santa's a Catholic bishop. So tell people the true story of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a two and a half year old grandson. He's got it figured out right now even. I'm sorry, I explained <laughs> who St. Nicholas is. Well, and I and you know, anyhow, that's that's important. Number 10, observe the fast of the ember days. The day before the feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, there's a, a fast and an abstinence day. The week before Christmas, right now, there is an ember Wednesday, no meat, Friday and Saturday, no meat, some fasting. Christmas Eve is a day of fasting and abstinence too. Isn't that interesting? Where would you hear that, Jesse? That the yep. you know fasting before Christmas Day. Uh, well, that's idea. in the that's in the old calendar. That's this this is in the pre nineteen sixty five calendar. Most of us have, are are not breathing from that time. They they it's the new church, you know. Go right, ahead. the new church. Yeah, but the new church has actually taken away the ember days. Yep. So uh, this is yeah this article is written by by a uh, traditional priest, mm -hmm. and that's sad because we need to bring. Uh, we, we shouldn't have less fasts and abstinence throughout the year. We should have more. Exactly. And so that was another uh, <clears throat> Archbishop Bonini, um, uh, you know, taking your pen and crossing it out, whiting it out. Number 11, keep Christmas Day holy. This day is Jesus' birthday. Let us do everything we possibly can to make it a day pleasing to him and centered on him. Start with the Holy Mass at midnight. Really pray that you will be able to feel Jesus' presence all Christmas Day long. Keep the TV off. Remind people why we have this day and why we gather to eat. And number 12, do something for the poor, sick or lonely person, maybe for an enemy too. I make a suggestion. You guys have heard this. I carry those little gift certificates from McDonald's, and you know their $10 gift certificate. And I see somebody who's poor, who needs, I'm never going to give them money. I give them something to eat. So this is just a, a thing you can keep in your car and say, God bless you, brother. All right. We remember Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were not welcomed by anyone at his first coming. That's for sure. Maybe in some way we can do something for someone who has no one to spend Christmas with. Christmas is one day of the year when many cold hearts soften a little. This is a good day to reach out to someone who will not speak to you in your family? Wonderful thought. Or someone else you haven't been speaking to. At least we can spend some time praying for all the people that have hurt us in this last year and pray that we will change. We also forgive all those who have hurt us and began the new year with a clean slate. Jesus is love and he cannot come and dwell within our hearts That if, that if we have hate or hold grudges. Jesse, real quick story. A priest, about uh, oh, the 9th of December, I went to take my wife to a Catholic priest, I won't say where, in a church, to get the confession. And the church was packed because they were having a Santa Claus tree lighting. And uh, they, the, all the doors were locked in the church. I couldn't get in. I, probably, I parked the car, let my wife go in. She found a way in. I couldn't find a way in. People were trying to get in to go to confession. So I knocked on the door of the church. The priest came out and yelled and said, get out of here, never do that again. Of course, that didn't bother me. So I said, well, Father, I'm just trying to help you fulfill your duties in your state in life by getting more people to go to confession. Well, two weeks later, that same priest came up to me and said, I want to apologize to you. What I did was wrong. I said, great, no problem, Father. I'm, I'm, you know, my point to you is you see, uh, sometimes people would have left and never come back to church because the priest chased me out. Not going to happen, folks, because you know why? My faith isn't in that priest. 
Exactly. My faith is in Jesus Christ. I just had to share that forgiveness story. It just happened yesterday. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, Terry, this is, uh, again, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yep. As the Knights of Columbus, uh, you know, these bumper stickers that they pass around all over the country. Yep. And uh, this is uh, this for us is the greatest gift that God the Father could have ever given Absolutely. us. Absolutely. That he sent his son into the world. That's why St. Paul says in Galatians 4.4, 4, he says, quote, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, yeah. to ransom, that's us, to ransom those under the law so that we might receive adoption. As proof that you are children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. Amen. And of a child then also an heir through God. This is the reason why Christmas Day happened. Because God wanted to make us sons in the Son. That's what baptism does. We become sons in the Son. And so there is, a, there is no, no greater event, or we could say like one of the greatest events was the Incarnation, uh, the death of Christ on Calvary and his resurrection. You can't separate those events because those events is what redeemed us Amen. from eternal damnation. Well said. I just want to remind everybody here at Virgin Most Powerful, we wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Remember, we're going to be celebrating the octave of Christmas for over a week. Yeah. Stay focused. Share the faith with your friends and family. And I ask Jesse this every day. A year in and year out, because it's the ultimate question. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? Make sure that before you die, you live in a state of grace. Leave it all out on the field for Jesus. Make sure you don't die in a state of mortal sin. And remember, get holy or die trying. What else is there? Become a saint. Terry. Amen. And I want to remind you to pick up for our Christmas gift, Bishop Snyder's books. Go to our website, vmpr.org. You can call on the phone, 877-526-215. And his call, the book is called The Springtime It Never Came and The Catholic Mass. Two great books to inspire you to fall deep in love with Jesus. Don't forget Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Are we willing to do that? I hope so. I am. Signing me up because you know what? Life is short. Eternity is forever. What we can do for today to spend, to help the soul find Christ is out of this world. God love you and your family.